Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Sing an old hymn of the church, Heaven's Jubilee.
can remain standing. We're going to ask the ushers to come at this time if they would. We're going to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. And immediately following the tithes and offerings, we'll jump right into a meet and greet and scripture and prayer. So let's remain standing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we glorify your name today. Father, we thank you for the presence of God that we feel in this place this morning. Lord, we know there are some, Lord, today that are under the weather and not able to be here. But, Lord, we are here, so we celebrate being in your house today. So, Father, I pray you bless this offering that we're about to receive. Bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not. If there's someone here today that cannot give for whatever reason, Lord, I pray that you would allow them, Lord, to be able to give at some point in time to show how much they love you and how much, Lord, they are thankful for all you have done for them. Father, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor, and everything that's done in this service. Let it be for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 Let's meet and greet one another in the Lord during this time. to see you all in the house of the Lord this morning uh, as you make your way back to your seats this morning. <clears throat> a couple things I want to uh, just make mention to you. Uh, some of you have expressed interest in joining our church family, uh, and we uh, are having a class on October the 22nd. Ms. Carroll has already given out some of those information to those who are wanting to join, but on October the 22nd at 10 a.m., that's a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, right here in this classroom to my right and to your left. Uh, we'll have a little, uh, if you will, informal um, uh, introductory class of what it means to become part of the family of God. 
and, uh, and then take in some folks who are joining uh, in new membership uh, as well. Also, don't forget, tonight starts PD Camp Meeting, and due to uh, a lot of the moving parts it takes to do PD Camp Meeting, there won't be any service here tonight because uh, I'll be in Florence for PD Camp Meeting, but we will have Wednesday night service like normal uh, in here instead of in the back. So Wednesday night service will meet in here, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But we will have midweek service uh, for that, uh, just won't have it tonight. The reason for that is is because this weekend we have quite a large uh, operation with some folks that have expressed interest in using our facilities for a community yard sale. So they're trying to get all that stuff together. And so they're going to have the fellowship hall all kind of tore up, if you will, for a couple days. And so it's going to be hard to move parts around. And so we'll meet in the main auditorium for Wednesday night so they can have uh, that for uh, that. So if you want to know anything about PD Camp Meeting, you can always um, go on the Church of God, South Carolina Church of God Facebook pages. I'm sure they will have links there uh, to stream it. Uh, but it does start tonight. So be praying for all of those uh, that are involved. Uh, the community yard sale will be on October the 6th, which is this Friday and Saturday, from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, Sister Ann and Sister Patricia are still looking for volunteers that can help or are interested in helping. They're always looking for help. Uh, they love help. Um, also, there is a sign-up sheet back there for food donations. They're wanting to be able to provide food for people that come. So we're looking for hot dogs, and we're looking for hot dog buns, and we're looking for all kinds of stuff. And so there's a sign-up sheet if you're willing to help us get that stuff. If you'll go back there and, uh, and sign that sheet and then get it to us or coordinate with us, we'll get it from you. Um, but if you have any questions about that, you can see them. If you want to donate to the yard sale, uh, they're taking donations. There's, I have to bring my stuff this week as well. They will be here between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the church, if, for the church, if you want to bring it during those times. If you need to make special arrangements due to work schedule, whatever, let them know or let us know, and we'll work that out. We just don't want them to sit here from 8 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. So... Uh, just let us know. See Sister Patricia. Uh, she's in here. Miss Ann is actually in the nursery today. Either one of those ladies could let you know more information regarding that. Also, don't forget Wednesday night and Wednesday morning, as well as Wednesday night, we have our Nehemiah prayer ministry. Both of those this week will meet inside the main auditorium as well. Also, the end of the month is Family Fest. It's hard to believe it's already October. We've got Family Fest coming up at the end of the month. There will be all kinds of food, a petting zoo, games, prizes. We've got animals coming in. Uh, we'll have funnel cake type stuff and snow cones and fried Oreos and ultimately trunk or treat, which literally is just a, a bunch of candy that your kids get to have cavities. That's what we do around here. And so make sure you mark that. That'll be on Sunday night, October the 29th from 5 o'clock from 5 to 7. Make sure you know the time change. It will not start at 6 like regular church. It will start at 5 because we want to make sure we have plenty uh, of time for that. And so we want to make sure we make the, uh, mention of that. Building fund is growing. You Some have already been giving to it, but we're still taking monies for the building fund and all of the stuff we're trying to do to beautify our property as well. Before her, uh, Brother Randy comes to lead scripture and prayer, I do have one very important prayer request that I do want to bring. There are many. Uh, and there are many testimonies I could give today, but one that I got just a few minutes ago, uh, Miss April Craven and her family are not here today. She uh, was not feeling well yesterday. They ended up losing uh, her breath and having a hard time and almost passed out, so she finally felt like she should go and get checked out due to her being pregnant. Uh, she went to the doctor, or to the ER, I'm sorry, to the ER last night, and they have diagnosed her with RSV, 
she is very, very sick. And obviously, uh, she has that virus, plus being pregnant, she is in a mess today. And so we really want to make special mention, if you don't mind, uh, today when Brother Randy comes to really pray for her during that. Um, RSV is no joke. Um, seeing people that had it is very tough to shake. And so we want to pray for her as well regarding that as well. Brother Randy is going to come at this time, and immediately following, Brother Jimmy will lead us in our special song. Now, if you follow what goes on in the church and talk to people, you know this has been a week of Thanksgiving, a week of celebration, a week of thanking God for everything that he has done. We have members that are sitting here today that God has touched and lifted up and strengthened. We have people that aren't here today, but hopefully she'll be here soon, that God has miraculously touched. Uh, and there are other people here today that God will miraculously touch. So just praise him. I, I, just, I, I almost broke into tears this morning at the Sunday school class talking about how good God has been this week. We were studying about Joseph and him getting promoted, but you know what? It was all, God's all in all that. God is in everything that we do, and God will continue to bless. Today I want to read from Psalm 71. It's a prayer for help in old age. Now, I think for me that's appropriate because I need all the help I can get sometimes. But... In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never put to conf never be put to confusion. See, there are started already. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust for my youth. By thee have I been hidden up from the womb, thou art he holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. My whole life... From the time I was a little boy, and my mom's praying for me, and my dad's praying for me, and my grandma's praying for me, until I got to be a teenager, and, you know, teenagers like to be a little bit wild sometimes. God has guided me and saved my life more than one time. When I went in the Navy, God was with me the whole time. He touched my family back in the States, and they were always safe. I didn't have to worry about them. He guided me and, and continued to support me during my naval career. He is good to trust. And I tell people this all the time. He is good to trust. Because if you'll turn your life over to him and dedicate your life to him and pray to him and trust in him and lift up your problems to him, he answers prayer. I talked to the teens the other night and I said, listen, why do you pray if you don't expect an answer? When you pray, you should pray expecting an answer. Now, it may not come when you want it. And it may not be exactly what you were hoping for, but God will answer your prayer, and it will be for your good. Joseph went to prison, but it was for his good long term. We have all suffered from time to time from one thing or another, but it's been to our good long term. So let's go to the Lord in prayer expecting results. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, this morning for everything that you have done for us. Lord, we thank you and lift you up. You are our God. 
You are our hope. You are our strength. Lord, you are everything. Help us, Lord, to be worthy in some little way of your grace. Lord, we thank you and praise your holy name and ask this morning that you will touch April, Lord. She needs a touch. She needs a touch this morning for her lungs, for this child that she's carrying. Lord, we pray that you will lift her up and strengthen her and keep her and that family together. Be with them and give them that which they need, Lord. Work a miracle. Lord, I pray for others that are sick here this morning. I pray that you will be with them and keep them and touch them. Lord, the confound the doctors. I pray that you will continue to do what you have been doing this past two weeks, confounding the doctors, letting things happen, Lord, that shouldn't happen by regular science, but are happening now because of your intervention and your grace. Lord, we thank you and praise you and lift you up. Ask that you will continue to be with us the rest of this service, Lord. For we ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Worship with Brother Jimmy at this time.
stand again all over the house this morning. Continue to worship the Lord.
Father, Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and we ask, God, that you have heard the message that has been sung, the hearts that have been lifted, the praise that has been offered up in this house, and it would be a sweet aroma, and you would inhabit the praises of your people. God, that you would just come down, you'd rent the heavens, and you'd come down, and you would fill this place with your presence. Father, we are so thankful to you for all you have done this week. We thank you, God, that you are a present help in our time of trouble. You have proven yourself this week to be a God that is as close as the mention of his name. Father, as we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life today and to hear the words of the Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl, under the sound of my voice, God, that something that is said today would change them, would chastise them, challenge them, convict them. But Lord, ultimately, Lord, let them leave this place knowing they've been in the presence of the Lord. And Father, I give you all the praise glory and the honor that is due your name in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit we pray and ask these things and the people of god together said amen. amen amen well if you'll remain standing and grab your bibles and go to the book of luke chapter number 15 we're going to pick up in verse number 14 luke chapter 15 and verse number 14 while you're turning let me just say a couple things i forgot to mention sister lila Fay is under the weather today that is where she is at today she came back from their trip to Kentucky and is and got sick and is not is not feeling too well today but uh, we want to thank the Lord for quite a few people that did end up making it today if you're a first-time guest please make sure you fill out a connection card in the seat and pocket in front of you and turn those in but we want to make sure that 
we have an opportunity to welcome you. Can we just welcome all our first-time guests, church, today that are with us? All those that are watching online, we welcome them as well. But it is so good to see, especially Sister Nina. She's been out so long uh, with some things going on with her health and her body, and she's missed being here, but different things kept her here. But she had the strength today. Miss Joanne didn't have to ride with Miss Ann, not that Miss Ann minded or anybody else. But Miss Nina was able to pick her up for church because Miss Nina was coming to church today. So we're so glad to have Miss Nina back with us today. Uh, Vanessa and the kids are able to be here today. Uh, Emma had quite a scare yesterday, uh, Friday afternoon and Saturday, with some, some ant bites that, that uh, had a allergic reaction to her and created some blisters. And they ended up in the hospital last night. And we were worried about that. But while people were praying and we were waiting on the doctor's report, the blisters started popping and everything started healing. And the doctor said, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it. And they're here this morning. So they went from the ER last night to church this morning. That's a pretty good turnaround, if I say so myself. And so we'll take it. Little Emma is right behind this wall, right here somewhere, probably creating havoc for my wife today. So, uh, so we're just glad she is here today. And, uh, and all of our other guests that are here today, it's been a, if it's been a while, if I missed you, I apologize. But I wanted to make mention of that. Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin at verse 14, and we're going to read down to about verse 19. But when he had all spent all that he had, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went, and he joined himself to be a citizen of that country, and he sent unto him the fields to feed the swines. We're obviously talking about the prodigal son and his misfortune of money. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, Yet no one gave him anything. That's just how the devil is. He wants to take everything you've got and give you nothing in return. But when this young man came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants, not even his children, just the people that work in my dad's company, just the, the co-workers. Uh, my dad has a Fortune 500 company and he's got workers that work under him. Just his workers have enough money to buy bread, to eat. Well, I am, if you will, used to be the heir of the company. I'm out here starving and homeless. Notice what he said. I will arise and I will go to my father. I'm going to tell you, I don't care how long it has been since you've been with God. You came to the right place because God's been waiting for you to come home. He's waiting for you to get back here. He said, look, I've messed up my life. I've spent everything I've got. I have nothing to offer. I don't know what else to do. He said, the only thing I know to do is go back home and talk to my daddy. Can I tell you, when all hell breaks loose, when the devil tries to take your marriage, he tries to take your finances, he tries to take your job, he tries to take your children, the best thing you can do is pick up yourself off the bed of affliction, pick up yourself and say, you know what, I'm going back to my dad's house and I'm going to talk to my daddy about this and I'm going to let Abba Father take it from here. I'm going to talk to my dad about this said I will say to him father I have sinned that's what we do when we come to God Lord we've messed up I've sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son so make me one of your hired servants I want to pick up we've been in a series called the inheritance what that means I want to pick up with part two of the sermon series that I started I want it all and I want it now I want it all and I want it now let's pray eternal father thank you Lord today for the opportunity to preach your word to the people of God Pray, God, today that you would let not my words be heard, but your word be spoken. Father, I pray that you would open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear what the word of the Lord is saying today. And, Father, I pray, Lord, you would take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay. 
that I may decree and declare only your words today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And the people of God together say amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. I started uh, last week on a journey with you about I want it all and I want it now. And we talked about a young lady in the classic movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory who wanted the golden egg. And she wanted it and she says, Daddy, I want it now. I don't want to wait. I want it now. And how that ended up costing her more than she was willing to pay. And I started out walking you through that sometimes we live in a culture and a society where our mindset is, I want it all and I want it now. I quoted to you the iconic phrase from J.G. Wentworth, uh, whose major, uh, uh, if you will, slogan is, it's your money, have it when you need it. And, and, and the, the customers would be watching his commercials and they'd say, it is my money and I want it now. And, and we live in that society. We, we, we cook that way. We'd get tired of waiting for the 30-minute process to batter the cube steak and whip the mashed potatoes and gravy and have to peel the potatoes. We want Uncle Ben's, you know, the thing you can go to Walmart and buy in a pre-made device, and it's already got the cellophane paper over the top. And in two minutes and 30 seconds, you can have cube steak with gravy and mashed potatoes and green beans on a roll in two minutes and 30 seconds. Why? Because we don't want to wait we want it now. That's the society we live in. Everything's about that way. You go and you start driving. I had the new appreciation. In South Carolina this past weekend I had to go. Uh, my wife and I were out of town. We were in Atlanta, Georgia, and she slept through the whole process, so she don't remember any of this story. But we get to Atlanta. We're coming around the curve. We're going on, on uh, I-20 headed in to Atlanta. I'm running about 79 miles an hour in a 70 zone because as long as I'm under 10, my guardian angel can fly beside me. And, and, and we're going along and this thing, and I round the curve, and guess what I found in Atlanta? Dead stop traffic. I mean, just around the curve. Boom! It's just like it stopped. And we all slam on brakes. We're all standing there, sitting there. And we took what took, should only been a two-mile journey, took a 45-minute process to go two miles because we're creeping along and along. You can hear people honking. You can see people giving all kinds of hand gestures. They were not lifting their hands unto the Lord and worshiping the Lord. They were lifting their hands to another is what they were doing. And so they're going through this process. Why? Because they wanted to get somewhere and they wanted to get there now. They didn't want to wait in that traffic. And they were stressed by that. And so our mindset, we have created a culture in which we live in where everything is about the now. We want the now. Our children and our grandchildren, if you have teenagers, you will know this. They are in the now generation. Everything they have is a now generation. They don't, they don't know what writing a hand letter with your handwriting is all about. They've never had to wait three days in the mail for someone to send them the letter in response back or, or whatever else because they have what we call email. They can get on the computer right now, send it, and in 30 seconds have a reply. Just this past week, I was at, back at the, uh, at the hospital and, uh, and, 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 and visiting with Sadie, who, by the way, is home. And, and we were sitting there in the hospital, we were talking, and she's got this little device, and she's talking to her friends outside of the hospital while she's in the hospital, and she's talking to them right now because of the ability for FaceTime and for other social media platforms. She doesn't have to wait till she gets back to Northwoods. She was able to talk to them right now. And we live in a generation where everything is right now. Teenagers especially have this philosophy, well, I want a car, and I want it right now. And so why can't mamas and daddies just buy me a car? Well, honey, let me help you with that because it costs money, something you don't have. But we don't have it either, so that's why we can't buy it. 
So the reality of it is we've been clothing you. We've been feeding you. We've been putting a roof over your head. We just had to pay for the shingles that were on the roof over your head to be replaced. We had you eat more than we eat. We have a $250 grocery bill at BJ's and Sam's Club and Walmart just to feed your starving self because you're so malnourished and aren't able to survive. And then yet you want us to drop five grand, ten grand on a car. And yet you don't have any money to contribute to the cause. There is a reason you don't have a car. You can't even afford the tires on the car, much less the rest of the car. Unless you want to be like Fred Flintstone and pedal your way all the way to school, you better hope you can help us figure out that process. Because we have created a culture that everybody thinks when I want something, I should have the expectation when I want it, I want it now. The sad part about it is it is not just in the world. It has infiltrated, that mindset has infiltrated into God's church. And God's church is, well, I want to go, brother overseer, I want a bigger church. And, and I've been serving in my church for, for five years or six years or three years. And brother, I don't think there's much more I can do with those people. And I want a, uh, another place of appointment. The overseer says, well, how many are you running? Well, we're, we're running about 40 people right now. And the overseer says, well, I got a church running about 35 that needs a pastor. Oh, brother, I don't want to go to that church. I, I, all of a sudden, I'm not feeling it. The overseer says, well, we got a church of about 120 that's, uh, that's looking for a pastor. All of a sudden, he says, God gave me a vision for that church because that's where I want to go because I want to go now. See, we have created in God's house, we've created that. When we don't get our way, when things don't go the way we want them, we get an attitude and we get frustrated. That's what happened in this story. The prodigal son, the son was the heir to the fortune, the family fortune. He had it all. He, his daddy owned the company. His daddy had hired servants. All the boy had to do was just wait for the old man to die and he was going to be the rightful heir with his brother. But he couldn't wait because he wanted his inheritance now. He said, Dad, I'll tell you what. Just let me have my half of what this estate is worth and let me go do my own living. And so the father finally gave him up to his mindset and said, you know what, son, that's what you want to do? Here's the money. That's what God did to Israel. He said, I don't want you to have a king. Israel said, no, no, no. We want a king like everybody else. And God finally said, okay, if that's what you want, here you go, and you can have it. But it cost them more than they wanted to pay. And the prodigal son goes out. The Bible tells us he starts living vicariously through other people. He starts spending the money. He's not saving it. He's not investing it. He's just living his best life now. And what happens is when he ran out of money, trouble hit his door. I read it to you today. The Bible said, as soon as he basically was out of money, a famine hit the land, meaning there is no abundant resources. So he first goes from this mindset that he finds himself now in a mess. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but many of us in our lives, we've been given a mess from time to time. Sometimes our messes are not even from our own doing. We didn't ask for the mess. We inherited the mess. So we're talk about inheritance. Let's play on words here sometimes we didn't even ask to get the mess we just got the mess and we were the ones left trying to figure out how to deal with the mess hello that's good preaching even if you're not church of god today but the sad reality is is sometimes we create our own messes and we have nobody to blame but ourselves because we put ourselves in that mess that prodigal son had no reason to get mad. He created his own mess. He had it all. He had a good house. He had a cupcake job. 
He had money because daddy owned the company. He had a family. He had it all. Everything was great. Nothing was wrong. Everything was going swimmingly fine for him. But because he couldn't wait and because of his desires of his heart and because he desired to live like everybody else in the world, what it ended up happening is in the long run it cost him, but he had nobody to blame but himself because he created the problem. Before we start pointing our fingers at everybody else's problems, we better realize some of our own problems were created by ourselves and not other people. See, so many people nowadays, when something goes wrong, they like to deflect it on somebody else. Well, if she wouldn't have left me, or if he wouldn't have divorced me, or if they wouldn't have said this, or if this person wouldn't have done that. And sometimes that may be true, but there are some times that we may have created the environment for that to happen. Because if we're not careful, we sometimes like to point our fingers at everybody else, not realizing that when we point one, there are three of them pointing back at me. Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye, the Bible says, when you have a plank in your own. It's so easy to look at everybody else as the reason for my problems when sometimes it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It ain't my brother. It's not my sister, Lord. It's me. I'm the man in the mirror. I'm the one who caused the problems. The prodigal son can't blame his dad. His dad didn't cause the problem. He couldn't blame his older brother. His older brother didn't leave home and cause the problem. He caused his own problem. He was the mess. Dr. Tony Evans, he's a pastor in Texas. He made this statement a couple years ago, and I thought it was quite a profound statement. He said, I've heard people say, Pastor, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. He said, they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Jesus Christ. You also don't have to go home to be married, but if you stay gone long enough, you'll realize you're not married after all. See, the reality of it is sometimes we better realize that when we stay away from the Father's house long enough, we don't have to be a Christian to go to church to be a Christian, but I'll tell you when you stay out of the Father's house long enough, you'll find out your Christianity is affected because you've been gone far too long. Because church is not designed for us to just count some numbers to send to Cleveland. And church is not designed for you to get some religious brownie points. Well, if I go to church, they're going to put my name on the wall for perfect attendance in the back that I made it all 52 Sundays here. No, no, no. We go to church because every once in a while we need a recharging of the batteries. We need a refilling of the gas tank. We need an engine checkup because the spiritual check light engine's on. And we need to go find out by God what's going on so we can get a spiritual checkup so that when we go to work on Monday and Tuesday, we can be ready for whatever comes our way but we come back on Wednesday and get a fill up on the gas tank so we can make it Thursday and Friday so we can hopefully make it to Sunday church is not designed because we're just trying to ruin your life we're trying to keep you from going to hell you don't feel most of you probably have to fill your gas tank up more than once a week depending on how far you have to drive if you don't what you gonna do walk nobody likes walking so what do you do you stop at a gas station and you get gas same way spiritually, if we stay away from God's house long enough or too long, we're going to learn to have to walk the walk alone because God ain't going to be walking along with us very much longer. 
Bible said there comes a point you can write, he'll write Ichabod over the door, meaning the glory of God has departed this house. The Bible says we can quench the Spirit of God. The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. There's the Bible teaches us there's a point in time that God will actually give us up to our reprobate mind and back off and say, you do it your way and see how it works out. It's a dangerous place to be. The reality of it is we all live in a society where we have a mess. There are broken homes in every church, divorced families, blended families, families on the verge of splitting. There are people battling sicknesses, RSV, cancers, and people that have been delivered from those, but people that are also facing those, people that have had brain surgeries, people that have family members battling Alzheimer's and dementia and other issues. Everybody has a mess in their life. Some of our own volition creation some of them not if you live on this earth long enough you you'll figure out real quick there's there's going to come a point in time you can't control but so much sometimes you can't control everything but there are some things in our lives we can't control you can't control if it's going to rain or snow or if it's going to be blistering hot on a on a saturday or a sunday you can't control that you can't control that that's that's up to God. You can't control. You can say all day you want, I want it to rain today. But if God doesn't want it to rain, you can wish all you want to. You're going to find out it ain't going to rain. You can wish with all you want to. You can't control that. What you can control, though, is you can pray to God that your garden needs rain. And whether he sends the rain or not, I don't know. But you can at least talk to God about that rain you need. You, you can't control whether or not traffic is going to be conducive for your commute to work tomorrow especially if you're going to Charleston it's unpredictable you can't control that all it takes is one idiot that don't know how to drive and takes everything and messes it up it only takes one person to screw up I-26 just one don't take all it can just be somebody with a flat tire but it stops I-26 for four hours it did it, it doesn't matter because everybody else has to see if they recognize the car and what kind of tire brand he bought there's nobody I mean stops the world you can't control that. But you can control where your car goes and where it's headed when you get in it. What do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about where you head. Are you heading to the ball field or are you heading to church? Let that sink in for a minute. We'll just let it marinate like a good steak. You can control whether or not you're coming to a prayer meeting or you're going to the beer hall. You can control whether you're going to meet your mistress because your wife's out of town. You're going to meet that other person you've been talking to or you can control whether or not you're going to men's Bible study or women's ministries meeting. You may not can control traffic in Charleston, but you can control your relationship with God. You have every ability to control that. The devil does not have that control. You do. Now, some things in our lives, we give the devil more control than he deserves. And we like to always say, well, the devil did this and the devil did that and the devil made me do this. And no, the devil didn't make you do anything. The devil might have presented it. You were the one that took the bait and ate it. The devil didn't make Eve eat the fruit. The devil presented the fruit, and Eve decided to eat the fruit. So it's to, I, I feel sometimes I feel bad for the old devil. I know you don't, you'll never hear a preacher say that. But sometimes I feel bad for the devil because the devil takes a whole lot more beating about what he caused people to do that he really didn't cause them to do. He might have been a part of the process, but he wasn't the one that did the dirty job. You did. He just presented it. I heard one old preacher one time say this. Somebody got up. The lady stood up in testimony service and said, Well, preacher, I just want to give God praise. 
devil's been on my back this week, but I'm here. The preacher turned around and said, well, honey, why'd you let the devil get up there to start with? We'll get that in a minute. There's some things he shouldn't have been in to start with. Don't put him on your back. Shake him off. Shake loose. I'm not saying he won't come knock at the door, but you don't have to open the door and ask him in for lunch. Temptation can come knocking at your door, but the Bible says that when you are tempted, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear, but in every way God will provide a way of an escape for you. Just because the enemy knocks doesn't mean you have to take the bait. The prodigal son, he didn't have to leave his father's house. He chose. Daddy didn't kick him out. You go read the story. Daddy never kicked the boy out. The boy chose to leave the house on his own. God's not interested in us kicking people out of church and watching them flounder in this world, but we have the decisions to make whether or not we stay in the protection of God's house or not. That's our call to make. And for some, some people have made the call not to stay in his house. I mean, what a life. This kid now has no responsibilities, no chores. No work in the fields. The Bible is very clear. There is pleasure in sin for a season. But seasons quickly come and they quickly go. If you don't believe it, I just last week was sweating profusely just getting out of the shower and walking outside because it was hot as all get out. Last night I went outside to get something out of the car and I thought, I need a jacket. It's chilly out here tonight. Hello? Seasons come. Seasons go. He runs out of money. But isn't it just like the devil? When the devil takes all you've got, he'll let you even sink further in the pits of despair. The devil robbed him of everything, and then a famine hits the land. He doesn't even have money, and now a famine hits. He is starving. He is hungry. He is broke. That's not bad enough. He's friendless. The Bible said no one offered to help him. He had no help. He was homeless. Didn't know what to do. You know, David felt like that one time. Psalms 3, David describes it like this. Many are they that have increased that trouble me, Lord. And many are they that rise up against me. And many of them say of my soul, there is no help for him. What did I just say the prodigal son had? He had no help. No help. David was there one time. I have no help. Romans 8 and 28 tells us all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. It does not say all things work together for good, period. There's a condition for all things to work together for good. God's only required to work all things out for your good if you love Him and you walk in His will. That's the only requirement He has to follow. He doesn't have to fix your problems if you don't meet the qualifications. God's not always required to bail us out. You see, the young man found out the hard way that people will leave you when you don't have nothing to offer them. You have lots of friends when you got all the stuff. You can give stuff away. If next Sunday morning I said, I tell you what, I'm going to give them a brand new car. Whoever brings the most guests to church next week, I'm going to give them a brand new debt-free car. Some of your eyebrows just went up because you started thinking about how many people you could bring to church next week. Let me go ahead and bust your bubble. I ain't giving y'all a car. I might give you a Maxbox car, but y'all ain't getting a real car, okay? It'll be a little toy car, a replica. Some of y'all are already thinking, oh, I got some friends I'm inviting. 
It shouldn't take a car to get you to invite them. Hello, preacher. But the reality is, if I was giving stuff away, this place would be packed. Because every Sunday I was giving iPads, computers, TVs, cars. Well, people coming to church, you know why? Because they're going to get something out of the deal. I'm giving something away. But when the church ain't giving free hot dogs out, nobody wants to come anymore. You have a free hot dog sign, you say on Saturday we're giving away free hot dogs to the community. You'll run out of hot dogs before you can even get them grilled. That's good preaching. Some of y'all ain't never done community work before. You'll run out because some people, they don't really need it, but they're going to come get the free one. Hello. Some people are multimillionaires and can't, they can buy the hot dog. at the, They can buy a hot dog farm, and yet they're going to get your free one because it's free. What happens is you give it away, they'll come. You stop giving, they abandon. You know, some people say, well, as soon as I say, well, I give a car, some people start to think, oh, let me bring a friend to church, bring a friend to church. Uh, well, I got something I'm giving you, God, this worship team. We are giving you something every week. We're giving you Jesus. That's better than a car. So if, if, if a car is the only thing or an iPad or a TV is the only thing you're willing to work to get you to bring your, your friends and your family and your coworkers and invite them to church, if that's all it is, that, then you miss the point because that TV ain't going to save them. And that car ain't going to drive them to heaven. In fact, the reality of it is we're offering them something better. So for all the people that say, well, the church ain't really giving us nothing to give out. You know, Pastor, if we, we gave out more stuff, people will start coming. I'm giving them the best thing I've got. I've got Jesus. That's the best thing I can give them is Jesus. The best I've got. He's the one that will last when nothing else will. You see, life doesn't always stay great. Sometimes life kind of just stinks. I hate to say that. Sometimes life just ain't fair. It just ain't. For some of y'all, your life is taking left turns, right turns, upside down turns, twists and turns that you didn't ask for. You just got dealt that. He got what he wanted. Or what he thought he wanted, which was his inheritance. But after he came to his senses about what he thought he wanted, it, he realized it cost him everything that he wanted. Sin will rob you of your blessings of God. One old pastor said it like this, A praying knee and an ungodly dancing foot should not be attached to the same leg. What he was saying is, you can't be one way with God, live one way with the world, and expect it all to work out in the end. It don't work that way. The Bible says that this young man went to a far country, or a foreign country. You see, God understands the messes of life, and he knows how to restore the foundations that have been laid. Now, you've got to understand, this young man had everything. His daddy had everything. He had everything. He was on a good foundation. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many people have ever heard somebody say this before? Oh, they come from good stock. They got a good foundation about them. They, they come from a good family. That's good people. They got, a good, they got a good head on their shoulder. I know what kind of foundation they came with. Their, their family gave them a good foundation, a good stock to live on. God understands that. My grandmother had a house in Goose Creek, South Carolina, right next to the community center years ago before she passed away. And she was still beginning to have some foundation issues. In fact, some of the walls were beginning to crack inside the home, and we were trying to figure out what was going on. And as the house was settling, the cracks were becoming more prevalent. And so we called in specialists all over the place to check it. And one of the specialists that came in and actually did the work specialized in what they called foundation restoration. It was a company called Ramjack. 
And what Ramjack did is they dug from the outside of the footers of the bottom of the house all the way till they got beneath it, and they stuck, if you will, almost like a jack. And they put it and basically jacked the house back up under the dirt. They literally jacked it so that it would not continue to sink with the sediments. It would just hold. It was literally jacked up. And the idea was that jack was to support the weight of that house to keep the house from crumbling. Well, I came by to tell somebody today, I understand there are people in this house, your life is crumbling around you. And your world's falling apart. You don't need ram jack, you need lamb jack. Lamb jack is the lamb of God. He can come in, he can jack up your hot mess, he can jack up your life, he can invade every crevice and nanny of your, of your being. And all the cracks and all the foundational issues you have, the Bible said, he who builds his house on the rock is on a sure foundation, but he who builds his house on the sands when the cares of life comes that house will be destroyed if you let Jesus Christ into your life the Lamb of God he can come in and he can fix everything that's a mess in your life he can turn that which is meant for evil for good he can jack it up and make everything go back to the way it was designed to be with him that's what you need but then finally not only was there a mindset and a mess there's a message in this story too that we often overlook it's a great story. In fact, if you go read Luke chapter 15, the entire chapter is referred to as the lost chapter. Not because it's lost out of the Bible and no one knows where it's located, but because everything inside of that chapter is designed to cover lost things. Lost sheep, lost coins, lost sons. The idea of that entire chapter is that which was once lost can now be found of the entire premise of Luke 15, the whole book. In verse 17, which I read in our hearing today, the young man kind of comes to his senses. He realizes something just ain't right. But when he came to himself, I believe if we were to put it in everyday English, it would say it like this, when he came to his senses about it, when he sat down long enough and started thinking about the mess he was in, he realized doggone it I had it pretty good now when I was 16 years old I I had a sign in my room the white sign and it said this teenagers get out right now move out of your family's house while you still know everything because the older you get you'll find out you knew nothing it was in my room it's somewhere now I don't even know where it's at probably thrown away somewhere I don't know where it's at now when we were younger we thought we knew everything but the older I'm getting raising Micah and dealing with teenagers at, at the school systems where I coach basketball, I realized I'm an idiot. I didn't know half of anything I thought I knew. They got all these nuances now. They got all these different social media platforms. They say all this stuff. I don't know what they're talking about. They're talking about things I don't even do. When somebody, I, not too long ago, somebody said, oh, coach, let's, 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 we, I need you, let's take this video. We're going to put it on TikTok. I was like, what? I thought TikTok was the sound a clock makes. I didn't know it was a social media platform. I thought TikTok went with clocks. That's what I was taught in school. In K-5, they said a clock goes tick-tock. I didn't know there was no such thing different than that. I don't understand this stuff. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything at all. This son finally gets to the point when he finally gets off of his high horse, he realizes, I'm an idiot. What was I thinking? I had everything. I had a good family. I had a good parents. I had good parents. 
I had a good brother. I had friends that hung out with us at mom and dad's house. I had a bed to sleep in, not outside under the elements. I never one time in my entire life living with my father, I never one time missed a meal. I never had to worry about clothes. Now I don't have anything. What have I done? What has happened? The heritage, the inheritance, the foundation was laid in his heart. It was there. It was golden nuggets of truth. It had been laid there from the foundation of his existence, but it took him hitting rock bottom to realize what was really in his heart. Train up your child in the way they should grow, when they, the way they should go, so when they grow old, they won't. See, it's not about what they're doing right now. It's about what they do when they hit rock bottom. What do they remember about the way you trained them when they hit the bottom? It's easy to trust Jesus on the mountain. It's a whole lot easier to trust Jesus. I mean, a whole lot harder to trust Jesus when you can't find him. Everybody thinks Jesus is real with million dollars in the bank. They struggle with Jesus when they're broke. Somewhere in that moment, Ms. Carol, you make your way. Somewhere in that moment, that kid remembered, that young man remembered, but my daddy taught me the ways of God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will be a provider. My dad told me that even when the business first started out, before my dad became a millionaire, he told me there were times that he and my mama had to pray the groceries. I never heard it, but daddy said mama and him prayed for us to have food, and sometimes they may not eat so that us kids could eat, but they still were able to provide because God made a way where there seemed to be no way. That little boy remembered that. And he said to himself, if it weren't for my dad, it can work. If it worked for grandma, or auntie, or unk, or papa, or mimi, if it worked for them, it can work for me. If it brought them a mighty long way, it can help me go a mighty long way. He said to himself, even the servants, even the cashier, she's not even related to my dad. But she makes better than I'm making on just being the cashier at the business. The lady just answering the phones. She's just a secretary. She has no blood connection at all. She's doing better than I'm doing as blood family of the man who owns the company. What have I done? He realized that while he is dying where he's at, there are things that were better including life back at home that he left the place he left wasn't dying it was thriving I believe God's church will not die I don't, I don't believe that I don't say there won't be a great apostasy and a falling way but the Bible said that God's going to have a remnant when he comes back God's coming back for somebody when he comes back there's going to be somebody in the call there'll be somebody so he decided to himself he took his beggar costume his beggar clothes kind of straightened them up he dusted the dust and the dirt off of the pig slop he picked himself up off of rock bottom and said you know what I'm going home I've been gone from home far too long I missed Thanksgiving I missed Christmas I missed my nephew's birthday I missed my mama's Mother's Day I missed father I've been gone too long I'm going home. 
Now, mind you, he did not know what the reception was going to be when he got home. He just decided he was going to go home. He didn't know if dad was going to be mad. He didn't know if mom was going to be accepting. He knew nothing about the reciprocation of him coming home. But he knew he had to take a chance because it was better to take that chance than to stay where he's at. Can I tell you, sometimes it's better to take a chance with God, even if you don't know the final outcome, than it is to stay where you are thinking you've got to figure it out on your own. Even if God doesn't show you the whole picture, you're better off taking a chance with Him than leaving it up to somebody else to help you figure it out. Because He had one thing going for Him, Brother Mike, that nobody else had. It is true the servants didn't have to worry about food. That is true. It is true that He had screwed it up. But there was one critical part of the story that most people don't realize that makes this story so powerful in this message even though he had royally screwed up you know what he could not change his DNA he was a bum he was a beggar he was a worthless member of society at this point but he had DNA he had blood the Bible tells me when Jesus went to Calvary that he died I was a bum I was a beggar. My righteousness was filthy rags before a holy God. I had nothing to offer. But what I did have is when Jesus died, the Bible said he made us heirs and joint heirs to the kingdoms of God. We are no longer slaves and bond servants, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. What he did was gave us DNA. I can screw it up, but I have DNA on my side. And that son said, you know what? The only saving grace I have is but I belong to the man who still owns the company. I may ask him from him to only let me be a hired servant, but at the end of the day, the man that owns the company, whether he wants to or not, he knows I have his blood flowing through my veins. The old songwriter said this, I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I'm a child of the king, and I worship his name. There's no devil going to hinder me. I'm not going to stop praising him. The reality of it is, you can, whether you like it or not, when Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, if you go to him and say, Father, I have sinned. I have screwed this thing up just like that prodigal son did. Jesus said, good job, because I have given you my blood that now makes you royal DNA. You can't change that. You can't change it. Royal DNA. Sin is not about what you have been, where you have been, or what you have done. Sin will take you further, sure. But as that son was going home, he had to start thinking, what is it going to be like when my dad sees me? What is the reception going to be? That's natural. I could hear the father every day, Brother Larry, praying for his son to return home, saying things like this. God, bring my son home. It's not about where he's been. It's not about what he's done. But if he'll just bring him home, we can fix this thing if he'll just come home. If he'll just come home. Can I tell you, it's not about what you've done. It's about whose side you're on. Who's your family tree? The same steps, Brother Larry, that he took to go away from the Father's house, he had to retrace those steps to get back home. 
Sure, society teaches us, history teaches us, that he could have been stoned and killed for his behavior, for disgracing the family name. He sinned. He hurt his family. He disgraced the family name. He could have been charged to die for his disgrace on the name. That's not how the story ends. Here's the message. When the son had screwed up his life, there was a father who already knew that. But the father also knew that if the son ever came home, he could make it right on behalf of the son. That son realizes he's got one more curve to go around before he'll see the family land in the distance. I don't know exactly what it had been like, but I believe he probably started slowing down walking at that point because he's scared to make that last turn because he's right there on the cusp of breakthrough. He's right there on the cusp of victory. He's right there. But that enemy of his soul, right before he's going to make that turn, is beginning to whisper even harder, your daddy doesn't love you. Your daddy doesn't want you. You're, you're a disgrace to your family. What, what kind of family wants you? You've embarrassed them. You've made a mockery of yourself. And then you go back there, they're going to treat you like dirt. You, wow, be a servant. That enemy was plaguing his mind. And I believe he had to fight for a few more minutes. But instead of going back to the world where he was at to start with, he had made up in his mind still going to go home and talk to my dad because even if he even if I don't get to be the son even if I'm just a slave it's better off there than where I'm at right now he begins brother primo to make that last turn around the corner I believe he probably sister Brenda just put his head down he knew how to get home straight but he just started doing like this because he was ashamed his head was bowed low he was a broken man Can I tell you that when your head is bowed low and you're broken in spirit, that's the best place to be because the Bible said a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. He looks for those people. But his head's down. While his head is down, what he doesn't realize is when he rounds the curve with his head down and starts walking straight up towards the driveway, there's someone standing on the front porch. It wasn't the secretary it wasn't the workers but the CEO in his $500 Joseph A. Bank suit and that briefcase that he carried around for corporate executive meetings was sitting at a rocking chair there was an old weathered man with gray hair and furrowed brow and stress marks across his brow of his face with bifocals on he adjusts his eyes because he almost can't believe what he sees because he thinks it might be Amazon delivering a package but he realizes that ain't the Amazon uniform and it doesn't look like UPS coming to deliver a package either but as that young man's head is bowed low and it's looking low to the ground the closer he gets the more the perspective of the father gets clearer in eyesight and the man that owns the whole company realizes That just isn't somebody. That's my son. That's not just random Joe walking up the driveway. That's my boy. And the father didn't care how the $500 suit looked. 
at that point, the Bible said he leaves and he goes to him. I believe that father got all, cleared the banister rail of the front porch, jumped off and took off running as best as he could. He didn't care if there got if there was mud that got on the bottom of his expensive suit. He didn't care if there was dust on the shoes. He didn't care if there was stains on the collar. He didn't care because he recognized that's my son. Can I tell you that's what God is doing today when we are hurting, when we're broken. He wants us to come. And when we come to Him broken and all that, what He does is He stops heaven. He jumps over the bowels of glory and He says, That's my children. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's them. And He comes running to you. And quickly, let me tell you how the story ends. He embraces Him. The son falls on the father's neck and He begins to lament and cry. The son says, Father, I have sinned. And the father said, I know. When you tell Jesus you've sinned, you're not telling Jesus something he didn't already know. He just needs you to say it so that he knows you know that you messed up. And that boy said, Daddy, I'm not worthy to be your son. Sir, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm only worthy to be a hired servant. And that father said you will always be my son you can screw it up but you still have my blood you have my DNA can I tell you you can sin as much as you want to you can screw it up but every time if you come to Jesus and tell him you're sorry and you give it doesn't matter if you messed up your whole life for the last 30 years Jesus already knew you screwed it up but he still wants you to know you still belong to him you are formed and fashioned in his image you are fearfully and wonderfully made you belong to him that's your son that's his son that's his daughter you belong to Jesus the devil didn't die for you. God did. Jesus did. And that father said to his servants, go to that closet where I keep all my best suits. And I want you to get the one that's still got the Joseph A. Bank price tag on. Ain't never been worn yet. Son, I was saving this for you the day that I transferred the business into your name. And I had bought you a suit a while back. And I hung it in the closet because it was going to be for our special ceremony when we announced the transfer of the company he told that servant you go to that clause and get that that suit that's got that price tag on it and bring it here go bring out those shoes that have been spotted and they're spotless they've been shined and they look pristine that suit or that robe represented I got you covered son you might be in beggars clothes today but when you get done here today you're going to be back in royal clothes family clothes, identity clothes. The Bible says we can trade our robes of garments of filth and deceit for robes of righteousness. We get royal clothing when we go to Jesus. He said, bring me a ring, a signet ring, because I want everybody to know he's still part of the family. He's got the family name. Jesus said to Zerubbabel, I will place you as a signet ring. God says that we can be as a signet ring on the hand of God he said go find the best calf I've got slaughter it butcher it prepare it let's have a meal the best that represented reconciliation the father will always make a way where there seems to be no way God will provide for his children we are covered by his blood we are sealed by the signet ring of the Holy Spirit as heirs and joint heirs of heaven We've been reconciled 
from condemnation. And we have been given, if you will, provision to all of heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so that when I'm finished, I can come back and get you to go with me. See, in this life that we're living in, I close with this. I don't believe we should want it all and want it now. I believe you should just be willing to wait because you're going to have it all and you're going to have it forever. This world is temporary in gratification. God is eternal. Right now, some people live in double wide, single wides, brick homes, vinyl siding homes, subdivisions, HOAs, etc. In heaven, you have mansions, you have no HOA, you have no electric bill, perfect climate. Perfect. I don't know how God's going to do that because some people get hot, some people get cold, and some people are in Eskimos and they're wearing jackets, other people are fanning in this room, and I don't know how God's going to make heaven a perfect climate, but somehow everybody's going to be perfectly fine. That's got to be the miracle of all miracles, just keeping people content with the temperature. I want to tell you today before I pray, we pray, you have an inheritance that's awaiting you. You may not can have it all now. But trust me, it's worth the wait. Now, God will give you certain glimpses of it now. Like when he heals people that have had brain surgery, that's a glimpse of God still doing things. When God hears people of cancer, like Miss Mary back here who had to go through the process, but God, God ultimately healed her from cancer, that's a glimpse that God's still giving us golden nuggets of his inheritance that he gives us. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the things that God has in store for them on that day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I have two questions today and then I'm done. Father, help this moment be a moment of your calling, your serenity. Let this moment be of you about you, God. I need you to start doing the work you do right now the hearts for this moment here's the two questions the first question is very simply this is there someone in this house today that says pastor I'm like that prodigal son I have veered from where I know to be and I have if you will left the umbrella of the father's house and protection and I want to get back in right relationship with God I want to make sure God and I are on the same page and everything's good and that I'm in that family connection with him again I need to make sure my heart's good with God would you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today that me and God get this thing right. Is there any eyes, any hands? We'll look just for a moment. God bless you. Are there any others? God bless you. Thank you today. For those who raised your hand, it's real simple. All you need to do is just tell God you're sorry. Tell Him you've messed up and you're not sure where all it's went wrong, but that you realize you need the Father again. You need the Father's house. You need Him. Just tell Him. Just say, God, I messed this up. And I'm sorry. I'm not worthy to have anything, but yet, God, you have made a way for me, and so I give it to you. It's to him today. My second question is this today. I want to know if anybody in this house today says, Pastor, I have a mess right now. Maybe it's of your own making. I don't care. I don't need to know why. Maybe it's a mess you've just been dealt that you didn't ask for. This week we have seen the miracle hand of God continue to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend.
my question is simply this pastor I have a mess going on in my life right now I feel like I'm in if you will the pig pens of life I feel like my world's falling apart around me I'm in a mess pastor will you pray for me that I can have the father come find me and help me get out of this help me get through this maybe you're saved maybe you're not in in you know direct opposition to the word of God you may be saved you may love Jesus with all your heart but you still find yourself right now in a mess and you need the father's help to get you through this mess with no one looking around but me and Jesus if you are that person will you just raise your hand say pastor I need his pastor pray for me I need his help I got a lot going on in my life thank you I see that hand any others I got a mess that I'm dealing with I need his help I need God to give me the direction yes I see those hands any others we want to wait we want to pray for everybody those of you that raised your hand in the first question just tell God that you're sorry and just ask him to help you and you will be saved today those of you that raised your hand that you're in a mess can I tell you today there's no mess God hasn't seen that he can't fix he can turn that mess into a message that test into a testimony there's nothing that's going to surprise God or take him off guard so I'm going to ask everyone if they would to stand all over this house I'm going to ask you to grab the hand if you're comfortable with the person beside you you may not know the hand of the person you're holding but there were countless hands that were lifted all over this house today you may not know who they are and truth be told you don't need to because it shouldn't affect whether or not you pray for that brother or sister's hand you're holding whether they raise their hand or not we all can use the prayer everybody in this room can use the practice everybody in this room can use the application too so we're going to practice together and we're going to believe God together for supernatural things if you're holding a child's hand if you're holding a spouse's hand whoever you're holding you pray to God on their behalf what you would like for God to do just pray for God to be with them and then the person holding your hand is going to pray for you if you're holding two people's hand you're going to have to split pray part way one way and part way the other but you're going to pray for both you have double duty let's pray together Father you are good you are great greatly to be praised God I thank you today there are men and women on the sound of this pastor's voice that have walked through some trying times they've walking through some difficult seasons they're going through some difficult journeys God there's a lot of people in this house that raised their hand today saying I need the Lord I need him to meet my need I need his help father some raised their hand today saying that they were in need of reconciliation to the father they needed God to intervene on their behalf Lord so if there was the ones that were not saved today I pray God those that needed you to reconcile them God their heart would be back reconciled with you they'd make it right with you today father I pray today for the hands that were lifted that said they're going through a mess God I pray that whatever proverbial pig pen of life they find themselves in whatever challenge they're faced with Father I'm praying today that you would do something so special so real Father I'm asking today that God you would make yourself known to these people not because God it's about credit for us but it's about glory for you and father I pray that we'll see 
testimonies come out of this. We'll see more miracles, and we thank you for the ones we've already seen this week, but we'll see more miracles than we've seen before. And fathers, we get ready to leave this place and not return until Wednesday night for midweek Bible study. I pray you would go before us. You would bless us and keep us. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts till you come again. And Father, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and redeemer. I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together, the people of God said amen. Amen. Before you're dismissed, a couple, before Brother Randy actually prays our dismissal, I'm sorry. Don't forget, no service tonight due to PD camp meeting. Uh, there will be midweek Bible study. Also, don't forget the yard sale. If you want to bring stuff between 10 and 2 this week, let us know uh, or make special arrangements with us, and we'll coordinate your schedule to be able to do so. We're still trying to collect things, uh, hot dog, hot dog buns, and all kinds of stuff. So if you're willing to help us with the hot dog aspect of that or volunteer, either way, there's sign-up sheets out there if you'll sign those up or see Miss Ann and them about that. Brother Randy's going to pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following that, we will be considered dismissed. God bless you, and we'll see you on Wednesday night. Yes. God is good, church. He's good. Brother Randy, would you pray?